This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to the Content Pros Podcast. I am Randy Frisch from Uberflip. I've got Tyler Lassard with me joining from Vidyard. And today we're going to talk about something that we all know, but maybe we don't put enough attention to it, which is the importance of the quality of what we're putting out there for our audiences. I mean, there is so much content these days. It's the, the landscape has really changed from, you know, five, 10 years ago when, you know, CMI was coming out and saying, all right, you got to invest in content and be the leader in creating content. Obviously, we still need to be the leader, but just having content doesn't cut it anymore. And I know, you know, Tyler, for both of our companies, it's something that we know we, we've got to find a way to stand out and connect with people in a more meaningful way. Well, it's it's couldn't be more true. I think we we democratized content creation and distribution for for good early on, and now it's almost uh, uh, transitioned to the other way, where it's too easy and uh, people are flooded. And so, quality content is now standing out and is is really the hero of link building exercise of SEO, and and frankly, just for establishing a strong brand with your audience and, and building a following. So, super excited to to talk about that and, and give the audience, I think, some really practical tips on how to structure your content program with a focus on quality over quantity. So to help us with that conversation here, we have Kara McCarran here today, the president of the content company and um, you know somebody who's been focused on this for a number of years with a broad set of, of, of clients. Kara, um, would you mind just maybe introducing yourself a little bit and talking about you know what, uh, what, what you've been up to the last little while and why quality is such a, a hot topic on your mind? My pleasure. Thank you for the warm introduction. Um, so yes, uh, my name is Karen McCarran and I co-founded the content company. Um, we're in our fourth year now. And my background is really SEO, SEM, um, even further back from that. I was, I mean, I, my first job in advertising was selling ad space and magazines. So I come from a world where Google wasn't even Google yet. Um, and so, you know, through the the process of starting our company, and why I started the company really was I was on the receiving end of content for clients that I was working with. And even five, six years ago, there was still, there was a lot of content coming out. We were talking about it quite a bit. People still weren't executing it at, as much as they are now, but the quality was suffering. So a lot of, you know, outsourcing happened to people that were not writers. They weren't expert marketers, anything like that. And so, you, you would see that one as a result of, of that level of um, expertise, which was non-existent. It would come in and it would just be really challenging to present content to a client when you knew it wasn't good. And so um, Ken, <clears throat> excuse me, my husband and I, we launched um, the content company and we, we really made an effort to focus on just the writing and we do nothing else. We do one thing really, really well. 
Um, and we leave the strategy and all that other stuff to the agencies that we work with or the marketing experts that we work with. Um, and over time, there's a there has been a big shift in people sort of jumping on board with let's do content. But as you mentioned, there, the quality is, you know, really, really suffering in our opinion right now. And we'll even say to clients, you know, do fewer if that's your budget, but do really good ones. You know, don't don't just pump it out so you can say you've put out three or four blog posts this week and none of them are, are relevant or engaging or anything like that. So, um, yeah, definitely there's been a shift over the last few years in um, and what it means to have high quality content. So what are some of the um, the factors that we all start thinking about? And, and I think we'll dive deeper on some of these specifically. But as I think about what quality means for content, right, there's, there's a lot of things that start to race through my mind. So does it, you know, is it about having well-researched content? Is it about, you know, the, the format that I put it in? Is it about hitting SEO keywords that are going to drive more inbound traffic? And there, there's other things. How do you think about what quality actually means in the world of content? Well, I can give you, I mean, there's a a lot of things that we talk about internally. I think kind of maybe the top three that I think about are, one would be keyword stuffing. One would be adding fluff. Just again, you know, if if, we always say to our writers, we give them a a range. So a writer can do four to 600 words for an average post. And the reason we do that is because if you've got a talented writer who's done their research and done everything that they need to on there, and then they present a piece to you that's 500 words, but the client is demanding six, you'll you'll add fluff to that. And it's, and it's you know, people are savvy more than ever. And it's super obvious when you're just taking one paragraph and regurgitating it with a couple of different adjectives to make it a new, you know, and, and add 100 words. Um, so keyword stuffing, fluff, adding fluff, and then not having a purpose to the post. I mean, that's just good marketing. I mean, there's, there's never, a, you know, and again, if, if you're, if a company or client is struggling to produce content because their neighbor's, you know, nephew went to this school and said, you got to do all these, whatever, and they're struggling, they're just going to start putting stuff out that has no purpose. So sometimes a company doesn't need to have two or three posts a week. Most don't. Most can get away with a really good post once, maybe twice a week. Um, so yeah, like those, those kind of would be the top three that we look for. And, you know, maybe I'll add a fourth in there. It's the flow of the piece. Like the way that we read content is it, it's almost like melodic. There's got to be a really good flow to it. And if you've got somebody who isn't skilled at writing and truthfully, we don't, we look to writers to be writers and marketers first, and not just somebody who has an interest in writing. Um, cause there, you'd be shocked how, and maybe you wouldn't be shocked, but how many people, at least that I talk to, or we as a collective group talk to who say, well, I'm a writer. And I say, okay, great. Send your stuff over. And it's choppy and there's no, you know, flow to it. There's no rhythm to it. Um, so a lot of people will say they're a good writer, but if there's no flow or anything, so that would kind of be my fourth one. And, and people can generally, I mean, you know, when you, you listen to, to music, you can tell when it's it sounds good and it's pleasing to the ear and it's, you know, you can get a rhythm going when you're reading the piece of content. It's, it's very similar. So I, I would say kind of those are the four, four main things that we see in a poorly constructed piece of content. So I want to, I want to just in, in a very friendly way challenge. I mean, I, I agree with, you know, pretty much everything you just said there, but I, I want to dig into, and I'm going to use your analogy with music because I, I think it's a good one. I mean, you know, sometimes there's music that just doesn't feel like a lot of thought went into it, right? And then on the flip side, sometimes there's music that just feels over-engineered these days, right? Like yep. it's 
you know, it's, <laughs> you were reading a lot these days about how they're, they're actually using AI and data to write the next songs, right? Because they know what people will like and they know what people are looking for. How do you, how do you ensure that as you're creating this very well-planned content that it still feels authentic? Because that's one of the things I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm not the most eloquent writer. I, you know, my use of grammar is atrocious, uh, <laughs> but, and, and sometimes when the, you know, the content editor on my team takes a piece and it's about to go live and he, he chops it up a bit and I'm like, no, but it's losing like, you know, the grittiness and, you know, what I was going for. So how do we balance the two sides there? Well, I think, I mean, the, the, the big trick is the, getting the right writer, obviously. Right. And I think that's, a, a good writer, it's a craft. And that's why if you send me a hundred writers, maybe two of them will be good. And I think, um, like when you mentioned AI and all that, a lot, you know, there's people who said, oh, because <clears throat> content is being created that way. But the, at the end of the day, there's an emotional connection that needs to happen between me and the piece that I'm reading. And, and so AI will never, in my opinion, and our opinion, will never achieve that. And I think that the biggest, you know, the part, the piece that is critical is having a writer who's invested in the client that you're presenting. So our client and making sure that they have skin in the game. And so, you know, providing them with all the information, all the logistical side of it is important, but I think it's just, it comes down to the writer and, and having them respect the craft. Cause it's not just about, again, it's not, it's not commoditized. Like you can't, you, you, you can tell a human being can tell when a human being has put effort and and thought and research into a piece. And if that's not happening, it's just obvious. And, you know, there's ways you can see that, but like any piece that we get from our writer, a completed piece, we don't put it, we put it through some, you know, like automated mechanisms for grammar and, and, and you know, duplicate content, that kind of thing. But every piece that comes out of our shop has read by, been read by a human being. Like, and we're talking 30,000 pieces of content has been read by a human every single time it comes out of our shop. And that mechanism is in place to make sure that it does, doesn't sound contrived and it doesn't sound, you know, it has to be a conversation. I have to feel, and it has to bring out some emotion in me when I'm reading it. And that's, so I don't know if that, I mean, I feel like I sort of answered your question, but I mean, I, I I see where you're coming from. So maybe maybe let's let's take this in a similar but but slightly different question. I mean, first of all, I, I'm sure you'd tell a lot of people they should come to the content company and and work with your team to do this. But a lot of us have also built teams internally. So what are some of the best ways that you you know have taught companies to bring some of the you know the best practices that you've put into the content company into their own organization. So what are the right checks and, and, you know, balances and crossing of T's and dotting of I's that, that kind of ensure that you can bring the same disciplines that you get through a group like yourself in your own team? Well, I mean, we don't, we don't often talk to clients who are doing just in-house. And I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for companies who are able to do that. A lot are very good at it. Um, but Again, and I mean that's that isn't something that I necessarily have a good grasp or handle on how people are, are working internally. But if I was to say to you, you know, Randy, this is how I would position my internal writers first and foremost. Like research is key, and having a really good communication with what is necessary. So, if we get a piece in and we miss the mark, which it really does not happen very often, and the reason it doesn't is really because so much effort's put into the creative brief part of the whole equation. So 
let's say you're the client, you and I, or you and your account manager would have a, or you and the, the writer and whoever else they're working with. I think there's so much um, potential for problems when that beginning conversation isn't really hashed out. So, and that's not so much a technical thing. That's just sort of a marketing thing, like making sure that whoever's writing the piece, whether it's third party, in-house, whoever, has a really firm grasp on what exactly the client wants, the kind of voice that they want, the buyer persona that they're looking to, you know, hit target in whichever form that they're doing it. But I, th- I think because, and one of the frustrations we find is that because so many things are automated in our space, people are still trying to automate the writing part of it. And you just can't, it still has to be a you and me conversation. It still has to be, let's sit down and talk about the goals. Let's talk about, are there keywords that you're really hell bent on ranking for? Everybody's got keywords that we want to rank for. Um, and, and the goal that's, that's always the biggest thing. And if ever we get a piece where it's missed the mark, it's because agency and client had been had a good enough conversation. So when, by the time we get the order and by the time the writer's creating it, there's been a miscommunication before it even lands on us. Um, so I think if I was telling anybody, you know, what makes a good writer is the communication between writer and client is so massive and it's so overlooked right now because everyone's trying to rush. But sometimes you need to just sit down and like have a really honest chat with that client and figure out. And then to that, and this is a big one, this is a huge one that we see um, from time to time, not so much anymore, but the client really has to trust the agency or the account manager or the company or whoever they're working with. And what I mean by that is if there's not enough trust and that client isn't, isn't sitting there feeling like whoever they're working with is the expert, they're going to start doubting and they're going to start picking apart the content. So we've had cases where we've said to the agency owner, look, this is not a conversation between you and us. This is a conversation between you and your client. And really what this is telling us is that your client doesn't trust the strategy and doesn't trust what you're telling them. Because if they did, they would let you navigate. And right now they're not. And so often we'll say, if that's happening, you need to go back to the client and have another conversation and, and let them, you know, make them feel more secure that you've got their back. Because as long as the client buys into the strategy, there's no problem. Same thing. If the client and the, buys into the strategy with the writer, they're good. It's just having that dialogue, I think, is one of the biggest things. And I think I think much of what you said there, Kara, though, is also true when we when we talk about internal. And and I think exactly you're exactly right. Because take our own team for example, where we have a a primary, you know, a writer, lead content marketer, and and I totally agree where we put the trust in that individual um, as you know our champion for writing, you know, our key high quality content. And you know that, and it's no different from if it were an agency or, or otherwise. Um, and I think the way that that we've scaled some of these things uh, around that sort of back to your earlier um, uh, point, Randy, around uh, sort of multiple authors, even, um, you know, the one thing I think is, is really effective is we, we have that individual or individuals who are those writers who come from that journalistic writing background, who can build those hero pieces, and they'll do one or two core blogs per week. And so we don't over 
you know, we don't push that person to have to be creating a blog, you know, three or four times a week such that the quality suffers. So we keep that individual focused on producing high quality pieces. Um, but then in parallel, um, we'll have other contributing authors. And, and those may not be the higher, highest quality pieces. But to your point earlier, Randy, there's some of those sort of authentic pieces on different topics. And so I'll do the same. Well, I'll write a post on something very specific, right? It may not be a broad piece, but it might be something um, uh, where it's a specific topic that, you know, I'm interested in at the moment or I've done some research on. And, you know, we'll, we'll sprinkle those in throughout the week. But what's really effective about that is it keeps our core writer, that person who is going to create those quality pieces, focused on one or two hero pieces a week, hopefully just one piece a week maximum, so they can focus on that quality. So um, just some, some perspective from, from my side. And I think that holds true whether it's an internal um, you know, writer or an agency that you're working with. And if you can sort of you know, work, uh, complement those activities with, with other pieces, it can really help you fill that out and not put so much pressure on every piece from your core writer being a big hero um, you know, asset. Um, so with that, we, we, we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, I want to talk to you a bit about some specific examples of some like really great, you know, content pieces, content assets, blogs, or that you've done or that you've seen done that you can point at and, and say, wow, that one really hit the mark with respect to those quality factors. So hang in there and we'll, we'll get back on that as soon as we return from this break. Hey, everybody. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert reminding you that Content Bros is sponsored by Uberflip, a cloud-based platform that helps marketers like you create personalized content experiences to showcase the content you've created. You, not IT, you can create engaging content hubs that your audiences will love. I use it all the time. My team uses it all the time. With Uberflip, you'll deploy content faster, accelerate your lead gen, and enable your sales team with personalized content throughout the sales cycle. Go to uberflip.com pros, uberflip.com pros to find out how you can be a content pro by showing your company that the content experience matters. The show is also brought to you by my friends at Vidyard, the new generation video platform that helps you unlock the power of video today. Love, love, love Vidyard. Use it all the time. Super easy, interactive, personalized video experiences. You can boost your online conversion rates, track the true performance of your video content well beyond the view count. Visit vidyard.com today to see how you can use video to deliver better results across all of your marketing programs. Also want to remind you that my team and I at Convince and Convert have a brand new free ebook I'd love for you to take a look at. Go to bit.ly slash broken content. That's bit.ly slash broken content. It's called The Four Ways to Fix Your Broken Content Marketing. Put a lot of work into it. I think you'll love it. Thanks as always for listening to Content Pros. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Content Pros. And we're talking about the focus on creating quality content over quantity. And um, we've got a lot of great ideas here with respect to what quality really means in the world of content. And Kara, I'd love for you to give a couple of examples, whether it's work that you guys have done, your clients have done, or others you've seen in the market, um, where you can point out and say, you know what, they've done it, they've really cracked that code on creating content that meets those quality bars that we can all kind of wrap our heads around as examples we can use for reference as we strive to do the same. First thing I, I do want to say is that, so any of the stuff that we've created, we can't speak to, it's all white label and it's all ghostwritten. So it's always really difficult for me to bring anything up that we've done for clients. So, um, and that's just sort of an FYI that when we work with an agency or, or whoever, you know, it's always their name on, on the pieces. So, um, but in terms of in the industry, um, search engine people, I'm a huge fan of them. Um, that was one of the places that I worked at 
and learned a lot about search marketing um, in general and SEO. Um, and I have a ton of respect for the way that they put out content. It's relevant. It's digestible. It's, you know, um, there's, it's just, it's just really good content for sure. Um, and then of course the, you know, HubSpot, um, a lot of, again, it's very, um, like they get you down the funnel and they get you at the right time and they hit you at the right time when you're needing the stuff that you're downloading. And I don't, I think for me, good content isn't just about the writing as well. I mean, um, the writers of my life will argue with me on that one, but I, I definitely like to see for me personally, I like to see some graphics and both of those examples do a really good job of um, when they're, when you're downloading a white paper or PDF or tip sheet or ebook, even there's some nice graphics in there. And I thought for me, that leads me along the, the journey a lot better um, video too, obviously. So I think, but um, yeah, if I had to, if I had to pick my kind of top two favorites, um, those would be them. Well, I think, and what you said speaks back to the notion of um, the overall experience you deliver to your audience, right? And I think it's it's actually kind of a hidden one when we when I think about you know quality content, um, you know exactly you know what you mentioned earlier. Um, but you know, Randy, I know you're passionate about this as well. Is like, what is the net experience that that person's walking away with? And and to me, it's like, did they did I create something that they're going to walk away you know feeling good about? you know, engaging with or feel like that was, you know, time well spent. And part of it is the educational aspect and what's in there. But I think part of it is also, again, it's, it's whether it's the visuals, um, whether it's the way you presented it, maybe it's, you know, sort of, you know, how you related it back to other pieces. There's an overall feeling and, and it's hard to measure. Um, but I think of, you know, does somebody walk away from something feeling good about what you served up? Absolutely. I I, th- I think you hit it dead on there, Tyler. I mean, you know, we started off this podcast with something I couldn't agree more with, which is you know, quality over quantity. But one of the things that I've been talking a lot about is the importance of experience over quality over quantity. And I, and I think it's not that the quality is not important, but as we said, everyone's creating content now. So quality is almost not enough anymore because, you know, as, as Kara just touched on, we want to make sure that that we can create the opportunity for people to you know progress through that post, or we'll actually want to see the next post if they really enjoyed the one we're in. So how do we tee that up? How do we think about you know that overall packaging up of content that people are going to consume on a day to day basis? And I, I don't know, Kara. I mean, maybe maybe you can speak even just to the creation side of things and how you start thinking about stitching together various pieces that you're doing under the umbrella these days? Um, I think, again, we really rely with our agency partners to come to us and say, you know, g- give us a sort of high, high level view of what they're trying to uh, accomplish for a client. Um, there's a client that we've got in the U.S. that um, we've been working with. Our, the client for us is the agency, but then they've got their client. And, the, you know, we've seen the journey of where they're starting with regular blog posts and then they move to a long form post, for example. So maybe they're doing a 2000 piece one and then they'll have us do an ebook. So we we were again, because we don't navigate the strategy, we, we're not in control of that, but we definitely see the progression of how they're managing it. Um, but it, it's I always equate it to sort of dating, right? Like you're not just going to jump in and throw a book at somebody and expect them to really get anything from it. You've got to start them off slow. And that's the whole purpose of the funnels that we're talking about all the time. But I think, um, you know, when people are stitching the story together, that that's, we're relying on the agency, but it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to see it being executed 
um, from the writing perspective and the ordering perspective. So when we're, we're seeing these new pieces internally, we look at that and we say, okay, that's really cool. It's interesting to see how they've changed the strategy over the year. But I think, um, it's slow and steady wins the race always in content. And it's, I think it's never been more true than it is now. And it's just, you know, like let's baby steps people. We're not going to just, you know, shove all this massive undigestible content at them at one time. And I, it's the responsibility of the agency, but it's, we've seen it and it's, um, it's usually just sort of, like I said, you know, you pepper things through, you might do a longer post and eventually by the end of the quarter, you've got this really cool story that that person has started with and gone through the journey and now they're taking action of some kind, hopefully, or that, that is the hope. So Kara, this has been a really interesting chat is as we start to wind down here, you know, one of the things we always like to get to do get to do here is and enjoy doing is getting to know our guests and you know you've been so uh, hot here for good reason on quality that I thought I'd take it into you know the personal and see what is the type of stuff that you're watching on Netflix and the reason I'm curious is because you are clearly a you know very focused on good writing so and and I'm I'll admit I sometimes like fall in for the you know not the trashy stuff, but like I'm just into the action sometimes and I'm, I'm more into the you know suspense and the writing quality. But I feel like you're going to have some good items that you're watching or good shows that you're watching these days uh, that are really <laughs> okay. well written. I don't know if I want to admit them, but. Uh, it's, uh, listen, we've opened up the can of worms. You got to go there now. Okay. So uh, first one that I still watch every day and it's pretty much my, and a couple of my, I have four daughters um, and a couple of them, actually three of them watch this as well before bed is friends still. It doesn't matter what season. I'll just throw one on, watch it kind of, you know, like a zombie and pass out. But um, the stuff that I'm, there's two shows that I'm obsessed with. Well, three, one is Stranger Things for sure. I mean, that's such a throwback to my childhood. And it's so well written. It's so well written. Oh, it is so incredible. Um, <laughs> Grace and Frankie. Is it Frankie or Grace? No, Frankie and Grace. The uh, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin show. Okay. Hysterical. There's a lot of talk about some super inappropriate stuff, but it is so funny. Very well written. And then Blacklist. <clears throat> um, that one... James Spader is like he's the cat's ass he's so incredible (laughs) his acting is just like when you know him from being in the 80s to now it's just he's spectacular to watch but yeah those would be my three nice nice and and, you know I know that Tyler's got a very soft spot for Stranger Things too and in (laughs) fact I think him and his team at Vidyard actually did a, a fun spoof I think it was around Halloween if I remember oh wow uh you know Tyler you can better speak to it than I will we did. We're all Stranger uh, Things fans here. And this past Halloween, our uh, our Halloween campaign was uh, Stranger Views, which was uh, for us, um, the mystery uh, we were trying to solve was who was watching your videos from the upside down. And anyways, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> vidyard.com slash stranger dash views. If you want to uh, watch, we actually recreated a bunch of the scenes from the first season in a very fun way. And it was so fun to do. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was it great. Was, it was great. I watched a couple of them. They were they were so Tyler who's your favorite character oh I mean I'm a Hopper guy like Hopper's just you know he's just so legit he's so authentic he's like a great piece of content to me what can I say yeah (laughs) for for me it's the kid with the curly hair I mean like yeah Dustin he's oh man he's the bomb absolutely maybe maybe it's because I got curly hair myself but that guy's just so lovable (laughs) 
It's relatable. Awesome, Kara. Awesome. This has been a ton of fun. I, I want to thank you on behalf of Tyler and myself for, for joining us on Content Pros. We've had a ton of fun, ton of insight. And I think a, a really important reminder for a lot of us who are out there cranking out lots of content, figure that out is, you know, don't forget to go back and make sure that, that it's quality. Um, you know, there's enough out there that we have to stand out. We have to put the right stuff out in front of our audience. And if we do, they'll come back. So Kara, thanks so much. And, you know, we'll, we'll encourage people to check out the content company and, uh, you know, please uh, do stay in touch. And for everyone who's listening, you can find more of these podcasts at contentprospodcast.com. We have all of our past episodes. Of course, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and do leave us feedback how we can make this a better podcast for you. Until next time, this has been the Content Pros Podcast. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.